0: This is the Town Council meeting for September 20, 2023. And let's do another roll call, please. Brian here. Lynn here. Dusty here.
1: Kate here. Tom here.
0: And Earl here. And Terry is not going to be present this evening. Uh, with that, we'll move on to uh, the Pledge of Allegiance, please. Everybody stand. I pledge allegiance
2: in the United States of America, and to the
3: republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, and with liberty and justice for all.
0: Okay. okay, next item on the agenda is the approval of the consent, consent agenda. Anybody want to do anything with that?
4: I'll make a motion to approve the consent agenda as presented.
0: I'll second it. Motion by Gusty, second by Tom. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Next approval of the regular agenda. Do we have any amending to do? Yes,
5: we do. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. We would like to eliminate special presentation item number 10.1. They will be joining us at a future council meeting.
0: Thank Thank you. That uh, with that amendment, uh, do we hear a motion?
6: Make a motion to approve the regular agenda as amended.
0: I'll second. It. Motion by Kate. Second by Tom. All in favor? Aye. 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 Oppose? Um, is there anyone have a declaration of uh, conflict of interest for anything on the agenda this, this evening? Okay. And now we're at the public comment if there's anybody online or in house uh that would like to address council on any issue that is not on the agenda you can do so now
7: we have no hands raised in the audience
0: okay moving on council comments and committee reports brian you got anything i don't
1: nothing here
4: i don't have anything either nothing
0: Nope. And, let's see, I did want to, uh, the Eagle Valley Trans, uh, Transportation Authority meeting, the last one, we have um, uh, uh, gone into, uh, we've gone to the, adding the service offered by SP Plus, which is a transportation nationwide uh, company that provides buses and drivers um, to uh, augment anybody's system or they run the whole system. So obviously we're only going to do it to augment it because the main thing that would be slowing this, our services down, are availability of buses and drivers. And so with this, we're able to add uh, some of the features talked about. Um, we will have a, an increased service rate at Dow Junction. Uh, uh, we're not going to increase the, the circuit Because uh, at this time, but they have started a fare free service from Vail to Avon and Beaver Creek because that is the most heaviest load that the system has. And uh, by making that often, it'll help alleviate parking issues in both areas. Um, And so, and we're also investigating whether we can also. Get an express run from Eagle into Edwards as well. So those things are, are happening, and uh, so we're hoping uh, that uh, next year at this time we'll be lining up for fare free here. Uh, but it's just depending on on the availability of buses. When is the fare free? served between Big and Amon? Uh at the at the ski season. At the ski season, yeah. Mm-hmm. So people could go park
7: at the Forest Service and get on the bus for free
0: uh that they do that no the express service is just hitting i7 and going however they will have more visits at the forest service um, and i'll have that schedule pretty soon be free or those gonna be uh that will be once you get there it's supposed to be free i believe yeah did you, did
1: you say it's free once you get to the forest service
0: let me check. I'm going to confirm that. I don't want to say so good. We didn't really discuss that, okay. um, but I'll uh, I'll confirm that and come back with it on you. On you. Okay, uh, moving on. Staff reports. You, My report is in the packet. If anyone has any
5: questions, I'm happy uh, to answer. The only additional item that I will make note is that earlier today, I emailed to all of the Town Council a letter from General. Manager of Eagle River Water Sanitation District and Upper Eagle Regional Water Authority, Siri Roman, uh, regarding the recent uh, mid term
6: battle and settlement agreements.
5: Thank you. Sorry. And um, uh, points being made regarding questions that had arisen through that public comment. So um, Siri identified uh, (laughs) items in her letter that just supplements and reiterate items that are in current agreements already in place between the town of Minturn and the district and authority and between Battle Mountain and the district and authority. So if anyone uh, would like to follow up with questions on that, we can be available to do so.
7: You know, in the reading that I found it interesting that they pointed out that, you know, they would prefer that. Minturn was the provider to, for battle mountain water and that they spoke of you know in the future maybe the developer will want that so i don't know do they have insight that that means battle Mountain's selling hurt do they uh i mean because battle mountains made it as clear as it can be that they are not interested in that option
5: That's interesting. So I do have a lunch scheduled with with Siri, Roman, and Tim McGuire uh, two weeks from now. So that can certainly be a question that comes up.
8: Yeah, that letter did make it clear, and I guess I'd need some clarification, too, as part of the settlement agreement. I know we were trying to protect ourselves in asking that the town would not be ever required to provide water out there. Um, But does that, does the settlement agreement and the actions there preclude us from coming to an agreement with a potential develop out there and figuring out, oh, maybe it it does make sense at some point in the future, a future council, et cetera? Right. So
5: future councils have the ability to amend the code if that's something future councils are interested in considering. Okay. Okay. That's all I had. So,
0: yeah,
1: okay. I, I think it's enormously expensive for Eagle Water and Sand to provide um, the water and sanitation service to um, battle.
5: Certainly with all of the work that our teams have done to estimate the costs associated with you know, looking at infrastructure on our end, there's nothing to indicate there is an amazingly cheap option out there that we haven't uncovered.
4: In that memo, she also mentioned that might be able to get their project manager to come in and give us a overview on the progress of the reservoir. Yes.
5: Yeah, so be in favor of that. Um, at the last council meeting, we, we brought up that that might be a great annual thing to do.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: Uh, so Justin Hildreth, I think yeah. is his name. Uh, so we will be inviting him to an upcoming council meeting to give us an update on the progress behind the scenes for work being done toward the reservoir.
0: Thanks. So did you get from that letter um, that they mentioned the design will be completed in 2025. Yes, I'm assuming they'll have all of the administrative tasks completed at that time as well as far as getting approvals from the gods that be.
5: I don't believe that would necessarily be the case.
0: Okay. So assuming that they might get started in 2025 or 2026 might be optimistic.
5: I think that's a, you know, as soon as we get Justin here from the district and authority, that's a great question for him.
0: Okay.
1: I, it just made me realize that I was going to be 89 years old when they finished building. The building.
0: <laughs> they need to hurry.
1: <laughs> we'll go stand up paddleboarding later. <laughs> our,
0: Us our seniors are anxious. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Anything else for Michelle? All right. We're on to business meetings. Uh, ordinance number 12, Series 2023, Second Reading, an ordinance amending the Water Moratorium. Um, is Michael there? Mike, you there?
5: Mike Sawyer? I am.
0: Okay. I hand
9: you the mic. All right. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Uh, this is the second reading of an ordinance uh, that was passed on first reading without modification. Uh, the ordinance seeks to extend the deadline by which uh, the minturn North subdivision has the ability to file a final plat through the end of November. Uh, They have made application for that plat just to ensure that the staff had adequate time to thoroughly go through that submittal and make sure I's were dotted, T's were crossed, documents were prepared. We believed that giving ourselves an extra couple of months was prudent. Uh, Happy to answer any questions that, that council may have.
7: And Belden's agreed to this?
9: Uh, I guess I would say Belden has not objected to this. Uh, we have communicated to Belden that um, once that final plat is in place, we will have a definitive answer as to the number of SFEs that remain between the current moratorium number and what Minter North will use and that the prospect exists for a settlement of the litigation with Belden where they would then make application to the town for those remaining SFES.
7: do you think that there's a chance that if things don't go quite the way Belden wants uh, that they would come back and sue us on this
9: well they're already suing us so I guess they would add another claim
7: yeah i mean i don't know i mean I, you're the attorney but i i do we need them to like say that this is okay i mean i don't know i i don't you know
9: i i don't think belden has any control or right to control the uh so this is a legislative ordinance Uh, Belden doesn't have the ability to control the legislative abilities of the town, and Belden doesn't have any control over the town's processing and approval of Minturn North. Uh, We are willing to consider an accommodation to Belden once we have, (coughs) excuse me, (coughs) once we have completed the. Uh, the Minturn North final plat review process we're willing to consider an accommodation where any additional SFEs could potentially be made available to them But that will require that they submit an application for the town to review at that time and the council will Have an opportunity to to you know hear the merits of that application
0: Okay Any other questions? For Mike. Okay, I'll open this up for a public hearing. Is there anyone out in the public that might have some questions or concerns? <laughs> there I are no hands raised. raised. So I sure, go ahead. Name and address.
3: Jeff Armistead, 1632 Main Street. Um, thank you. I don't get a chance to come very often. <laughs> um, but since I'm here and this is a, a subject near and dear to my heart, I guess I'm not aware, because my wife and I don't get to talk about these things, so hearing what was just said, um, I'd be interested, Mike, to know what what you just said about Belden making an application. What does that mean?
9: So under the initial moratorium uh, that was uh, in place until I think earlier this year, Uh, That version of the moratorium had a provision whereby a developer could uh, make an application and request that the council grant additional SFES uh, to the development. And to my knowledge, Belden is the only uh, entity that made formal application during that period of time. And so Belden would be or could submit an application for uh, these SFEs, and it would be heard in a public hearing. It would be a public meeting, uh, and the uh, council would make a decision based upon the merits at that time.
3: So, the previous plan that they had approved and the amount of SFEs that that plan needed. What is the status of that? Uh,
9: that is currently the subject of litigation. So they they did have a preliminary plan uh, that was approved, and then there were motions that were made uh, to approve a final plat and a subdivision improvement agreement. But the uh, Belden has raised claims about those approvals. So that's currently the subject of litigation. So is there a ballpark number of SFES that's sort of up for grabs right now? We believe it's 16.
3: Okay. I mean, given the fact that I have an application that's in already and I had to modify that because there wasn't enough water, does that mean that I can apply for, am I in the same boat where I can apply for those 16?
9: It would depend on whether you submitted your application under water moratorium one or water moratorium two because water moratorium number two does not contain uh, the ability to submit an application
3: and water moratorium when is that date I guess I, I'd we'll have to I'd have, to I'd have to look that up I don't have that in front of me okay.
7: Um,
3: thank you um the other question i had was the town the town purchased a system of leak detection a while ago and do we know i know that just from conversations with public works that 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 we have fixed a lot of those leaks so i wonder when when like when do we see the, the benefit of fixing those leaks in terms of potentially, if we've recaptured a bunch of water that was going into the ground, when does that equate to more capacity? Or, and maybe we can't answer that tonight, but it just seems like if we spent a bunch of money on a leak detection system and we have fixed a bunch of leaks and we've recaptured a bunch of water that was going in the ground, then we should have some ability to have more water than, we used to have
9: that that is a actually a two-part question Uh, i can answer part of it and if michelle wants to she can chime in the town's limitations on its ability to provide water for additional growth are constrained both by the treatment capacity of the plant and by limitations imposed by the town's water decrees and the town currently has uh, under those limitations that there are times in the months of august and september that we crop up against water right limitations which we may or may not be able to divert more water in those months to serve additional growth as a matter of the legal water rights i understand that yeah The separate question as to the physical supply, which can be helped by reducing leaks, because the system has to produce less water to get to the the end users. Michelle, I don't know if you'd like to chime in on that real quick.
5: Sure, I'm I'm happy to broach that. So, part of the issue therein lies the the leak detection and the age of the infrastructure itself. So the majority of the leaks that the leak detection system finds are on private service lines that that obviously the town does not control. So we're happy to report that in the last several months, our monthly um, water loss has been under 10%. For something as permanent as providing new uh, homes above and beyond what we currently have, we would want to see a consistent water loss number under that 20% for multiple years in a row to be confident because once a home goes in, you can't take it out and you can't not serve it water. So we would want to see a consistent trend where that leak detection is well under 20% For an extended period of time and given that most of the leaks that we find are on private service lines it's tough to control that aspect we're getting ready to start in on an educational program whereby we encourage residents to check their you know the age of their private service lines and consider changing those out you know right now it's not you know to no one's fault it's just not something folks think about until it breaks So usually these things don't get changed out and even then when something breaks, a lot of the times they just go in and fix the break, they don't change out the line. And then we see repetitive breaks over and over. So until we see some real consistency in our water loss numbers over a period of years, we wouldn't be confident in adjusting the amount of water we would say we have to serve from basing it on water loss numbers. And wasn't it like as high as 50 or 60%? At times, yes. And in fact, we've seen it, you know, going back into the 80s up to 70%. Yeah. All right,
0: thanks. Thank you, Jeff. Jay, you got anybody out zoom in
7: zoom Excuse me, no, there is not, thank you.
0: Okay. Um, okay, last call for public uh, comment into public hearing back to council any final questions or concerns we have a motion
4: i'll make a motion to approve ordinance number 12 series 2023 on second reading an ordinance of the town of intern amending ordinance number two series 2023 amending a deadline for certain events to occur
0: do we have a second i second. Motion by Gusty. Second by Brian. Uh, roll call, please. Brian, I. Lynn, I.
1: Gusty, aye.
0: okay Tommy. Earl, aye. Okay. Next, we have Ordinance Number 13, Series 2023, Amendment uh, amending Chapter 16, Article 16 of the Mentor Municipal Code, amending section titles <coughs> only of the parking code.
6: I'll take that one. Uh, so, uh, staff recently received a, a question about parking, and that caused us to take a look at our our different sections. And we found that it was not apparent that certain sections, due to us adopting new one hundred block uh, standards in the last year, those. Uh, original parking standards weren't clear that they were no longer a part of the 100 block. Uh, So this ordinance is merely to clarify that we're changing section titles only. We're not getting into the meat of what these uh, standards are. Uh, Not looking to change those at this time. But uh, we did want to make it clear so that anybody who's reading our code knows that these sections are applicable everywhere in town except the 100 block. Um,
0: um, any questions from Madison on that? Very straightforward. Um, I'll uh, open this up for public hearing. Do you have any public comment on this? Nope. Jay, anybody yet? No, I do not
7: see any hands raised.
0: Okay. Close public hearing. Any further comments, questions, concerns? Do we have a motion?
6: Make a motion to approve Town of Minturn Ordinance 13 Series 2023 and Ordinance of the Town of Minturn, Colorado, amending Chapter 16, Article 16 of the Minturn Municipal Code. I'll second that.
0: Motion by Kate, second by Gusty. Roll call, please. Brian, aye. And aye. Gusty, aye. And aye. Tom, aye. And
4: aye. Next,
0: we have uh, for discussion the easement relocations of the Bianchi Driveway.
5: Thank you, Mr. Mayor. So Scott Hun is with us this evening. He will actually be presenting uh, this topic. We also have Jeff Spinell with us, possibly Jared Limke, possibly John Volk, uh, to discuss uh, the potential for uh, the driveway that's going in on the Bianchi property. So only the council has the ability to adjust easements. So as we move, as the applicant moves through their process, it seemed prudent to determine if the council is uh, supportive of the relocation of these easements. Uh, So with that, if Scott is with us, I'd like to turn this over to him as he knows significantly more about this than I do.
2: Good evening, everybody. Um, Michelle, I'm going to pass the torch to Mike. I thought Mike was taking the lead on this. Um, He wrote the memo. Um, I'm, I'm certainly happy to chime in on uh, the Planning Commission's review of this proposed driveway, uh, the research that I did uh, in conjunction with Mike regarding the easements that are in place. But um, if it's okay with you,
9: Mike, would you be okay taking the lead on this? Thanks, Mike. Yeah, well, why, why don't you, Scott, real quick give discuss what happened at Planning Commission, then I'll, um, I'll jump in. Sure. Uh, So the
2: Planning Commission reviewed this driveway, Um, you know, this came into the town as a grading permit, uh, which it certainly needs in order to be constructed, uh, a grading permit by the town. Uh, When we looked at this, uh, the the development itself constitutes development. Anything that constitutes development goes before the Design Review Board Planning Commission. Uh, so we did ask the applicant to bring this before the planning commission they reviewed this i forget which day it was in august august 9th i think um they approved the driveway or recommended approval of the driveway with certain conditions i think those are listed in the uh staff report that should have been attached um actually it wasn't attached because we're not bringing this uh, under consent agenda i think we were just going to talk about easements but in order to uh, construct this driveway. Uh, the town's 12 inch uh, main line would need to be relocated. Uh, that was discussed at the Planning Commission. We had planning commissioners asking about uh, the relocation of that main line. Who would who would do that work? How much it would it cost? Uh, how, what would the town how would the town be protected during that process of taking that uh, line offline? Uh, reconnecting it, those types of questions. We had questions about uh, the disturbance on this lot. Uh, so the planning commission certainly did its job, um, but the, the thing that we need to talk about and the, the reason why this is in front of you before it comes, you know, the planning commission recommendation will come to council uh, at some future meeting date and that recommendation and the set of plans will be on the consent agenda. Uh, but tonight we need to understand whether or not there's a willingness to relocate uh, easements. Uh, When lot two, this is lot two of the South Mintern Estates, when this was most recently platted in 1999, uh, there were plat notes and also easements shown on the plat document itself, uh, locating uh, easements that benefited different parties uh, the town primarily uh, for access to the water tank and also to allow for uh, installation of uh, utilities and water lines and things like that so um, in order to build this driveway those easements and the line itself would have to be relocated the previous easements followed what is an existing uh, kind of two-track road that traverses um, over a portion of lot one Uh, when you come off a highway 24 uh, then it gets into lot two and goes up the, to the Medina property, which is parcel B. Um, that alignment um, will remain in certain respects. Um, I don't think the applicant is proposing to change that, but they are proposing to create a driveway um, that that does more traversing and, and snaking with switchbacks. Um, you know, that is not only practical uh, from an engineering standpoint, it's also something that needs to happen. The the winding of this new road uh, versus the existing alignment of the existing two-track road uh, just to meet our town standards for driveway grades, turning radiuses. So it's really a function of trying to get a driveway up to a building site on lot two uh, that meets our code. Uh, and that also ties back to the 1999 south Minturn estates final plat. There was a specific plat note that required uh, any future building on lot two to improve the road to the town standards. So that, that brings us uh, to this topic tonight of the proposed plans, which have a recommendation for approval. They've been reviewed uh, at the preliminary stage by the town engineer. Um, there are certainly things that the applicant will need to do um, specific to the civil engineering drawings uh, before uh, final drawing sets, 100% construction drawing sets get submitted to the town for a grading permit. Uh, and then this other issue of existing easements and then changing those or vacating those and replatting or recreating uh, new easements to follow the new road alignment and new water line alignment. So there, I tried not to do any of that, but I just... Did
9: the whole thing let me let me add a little bit more context uh michelle could you put uh page 48 of the packet up on the screen
7: i can stand by thank you 48 mike
9: 48 yes it's a aerial photo
7: oh okay Is that what you're looking for?
9: Yes, thank
7: you. All right, so
9: for orientation purposes uh, of what we're talking about tonight, you will see there is a triangular shaped, somewhat rural looking property that has the number 759 on top of it. That is the lot in question. Uh, where the road would be relocated, and then there is just to the left of that, there is a small kind of triangular parcel uh, that is next to the Martin Creek Road, and that yep, that one there, uh, where it says Martin Creek, uh, the little one up above it, up up up, no nope, other up. <laughs> And to your left, <laughs> yeah, next to the word creek, there's a little parcel there. That little parcel is actually owned by the town of Mintern. And uh, Jeff Armistead did provide me uh, this week with a copy of an easement from about 10, 11 years ago where the town uh, granted to this uh, property an easement to encroach for roadway purposes onto that, that land. Um, the how this if, so we're coming to ask you your opinions about whether you would consider allowing for a roadway or, or pretty much an easement relocation and a waterline reconstruction uh, because you hold those in your proprietary interests as the town uh, and you would you know, you, you can't be forced to give them up, uh, but there may be some very good practical reasons why it's in the town's interest to allow the easement to be relocated uh, and the waterline reconstructed. And the, um, uh, the specifics of the engineering, while we do have uh, some preliminary engineering that's been uh, generated that would actually come to you uh, at a later meeting after that has all gotten hashed out with our consultants uh, and be attached to a development agreement uh, that would be then approved by the the council and the, the improvements would then be subjected to what's called a security requirement where the developer would be required to post security with the town that if these improvements were not completed or not completed adequately, that the town would have monetary resources it could draw on to to fix them. So, Again, this is kind of a more conceptual discussion around is the town amenable to allowing these easements to be moved? The more specifics of how does the engineering work uh, would be the subject of a a later discussion. Um, Jay, I don't know if you can go down uh, one page, eh, let's go down two pages. It's uh, the plat that Scott referenced. There we go. So this plat Uh, And Scott added some uh, detail to kind of highlight the existing easement that the town has in place, crossing uh, lot two. Um, As Scott mentioned, the, the town does have a roadway and a water line in that easement currently. Uh, the roadway, as I understand it, is uh, that it is a, a rugged road. It is, uh, not a, does not have an engineered surface. It has some very steep grades. Uh, it currently, I guess, is adequate. The, the purpose of that roadway is to provide access up to the town's water tank. Uh, while there is a roadway of better condition on lot one, uh, the town does not have an easement to come up from Highway 24 across lot one to get to the the water tank. So the town is reliant upon uh, this road uh, to to get access to the water tank. Um, The next page down, Jay, if you can scroll to page 51. This conceptually shows the relocated road that the developer would like to uh, to establish. It also shows the location of the uh, existing roadway and water line within the easement. Uh, as you can see, the the as opposed to being a more direct shot to get up to uh, the water tank, this would have a couple of. Uh, widen curves which allows for a lower grade uh, to be maintained this also would uh, have an engineered surface I'm unsure whether it will be asphalt or whether it will be compacted you know gravel to a town standard Uh, but it will be a a much better quality road uh, for the town to uh, utilize the town's easement would be relocated to that area Um, And you can also see uh, just to the left of the right new proposed bend, there is a straight line that kind of uh, comes down. That would be the relocated water line. So again, yep, right there. Thank you, Jay. Uh, Currently, the water line runs uh, kind of horizontally within the existing easement. That water line would be relocated to have a a couple of bends in it uh, so that it would then follow the course of the proposed relocated road. Um, And an easement would be given to the town for the uh, complete location of the water line as, uh, uh, as it would be relocated. Um, hey, Mike
2: and Jay, there's a, an exhibit on page 53 that I doctored up that shows those
9: that kind of highlights those two things. Great. Right. We'll we'll get down there real quick. Um, on page 52J, the just the next page down. Wanted to highlight a couple of things. First of all, you can see on the left side where the curve going down to Highway 24 will encroach within the parcel owned by the town of Minturn. And again, uh, Jeff Armistead provided me with a copy of an easement uh, that, that allows for that, that encroachment to occur. Uh, also, this exhibit does show the turning radius for how the town will get back onto the existing road it heads on to lot one and eventually up to the water tank. Uh, and preliminary uh, studies have shown that that, that will uh, fit our dump trucks, that our dump trucks will be able to make uh, that turning radius to go up and do uh, maintenance work at the tank. Um, and on page 53, as Scott mentioned, a, a very helpful exhibit showing uh, the the existing water line, which is in blue uh, within the existing easement, and then the proposed relocation of that water line in red, and again, for which the the town uh, would receive a relocated easement for uh, for that area. Um, The uh, developer would, at the developer's sole cost, pay for the reconstruction or I guess the new construction of a 12-inch water main uh, between the points that you see in red. So that would all be new piping uh, done to the town's engineering specifications um, for a water line that uh, I suspect has not been updated in in some period of time. those are the ends of the exhibit which i think depict pretty well the conceptual discussion we want to have with you Uh, again this is about you know the town owns an easement it owns a water line we have a a request that someone would like to relocate the easement uh, and the physical water line and reconstruct it Um, Again, the, the town is not required to do this, but there may be some, some benefits in terms of having a better roadway in which to access the tank and to have a, a somewhat sizable section of brand new water line at this location. And before we proceed with uh, drafting documents, we wanted to poll council uh, as to your thoughts and, and answer any questions i would also note that the uh, applicants representative jeff armistead is present and maybe we should uh, turn the time over to him for a couple minutes that he can uh, add additional detail to this proposal jeff
3: Jeff armistead 1632 main street um thanks mike and scott the you guys I don't know if I can do much better you you guys have done a, a great job of explaining the situation um, it might be helpful to just take the time and field questions if there are any right now um, I will say that um, one of the one of the comments that came up um, during the planning and zoning board was just, um, from some adjacent property owners, in regards to safety of constructing this road, and and you know obviously the, the rock uh, that the cliff below um, to Arvin's property, and um, you know that was a concern of of the Cordovas, um, and we discussed that and mitigating that. Um, we also discussed mitigating. Um, Storm runoff. You know, we've obviously had some pretty big storms and some huge deluges of rain over the past few summers. Um, you know, with the proximity to Martin Creek, there's going to be some additional um, mitigation measures. You know, to to ensure I'm, I'm a fly fisherman, so you know, bugs in the river and stream health is really important to me. So we're going to do everything to make sure that uh, Martin Creek stays super healthy. Um but I know one of the big issues was just the, the, the current, I don't know if any of you are even familiar that they're of the, how familiar you are with this existing road, but, um, it's, it's pretty rough. It, it's, it's super steep. It has never been really maintained by the town. Um, I'd be surprised if a, if a town dump truck has ever been up this road, um, just because it's, it's a difficult road to get up. So, um, I think just looking at it from from the stand standpoint of potentially having a much safer um, and better road to access our our tank, uh, assuming that we are going to rehabilitate it, um, I think that's a really strong selling point to this. So, other than that, I'll just take questions.
8: Okay.
3: Any questions from the board?
8: What impacts, if any, are there to water service?
3: Um, I think you know, the engineers might do better at that. Um, but I think that there's talk about um, not having much impact at all because of the new tank. And I think the ability to be able to shut down the, this tank at rate right the, at the juncture of Highway 24 at Cemetery Bridge there, so to speak, and, and just let the water continue and let the new tank service town versus the old tank. Um, I'm hopeful that that can be achieved. I don't know if you want to add anything to that, Jeff,
5: Jared? Can you speak to that a little bit regarding if there is any potential um, downtime for water service? And I think when the question of water service is brought up, we need to think of that twofold. One is water service to the town, and the other is water service to the two Medina properties that we currently serve at the top of the hill there.
10: Certainly. um, Audible? Good to go? Yes. Correct. Oh, cool. Thank you. Um, yes, so Jeff is correct uh, when it comes to the town. Um, the main line supplying water to tank number two, which is up the hill from the area in question, can be isolated near Highway 24 or Main Street, and the rest of the town remains generally unaffected um, for water service. Uh, Medina Properties is fed presently from. main line feeding take number two so once that gets once that line is isolated the medina property would not be receiving water from the town anymore during construction what
0: do they think about that
10: i don't think they are too pleased but i i I don't know for sure um they'd be out of water
5: no so jeff before you all go down the just wait Wait. So, Jeff Spinell, if you could please uh, discuss the temporary service line that we would be utilizing uh, to service the Medina property during construction of this project, the concepts that we've discussed. You were just here. I know you're on the call. He's connecting. Oh, he, we lost him. Jeff,
9: your, your, your presence is requested.
11: Yeah. So, <laughs> okay, here, here. Somebody, kicked, somebody kicked me off is what happened. That was very convenient, <laughs> Jeff. I was there and it just went away.
5: So. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jeff, if you could please speak to the temporary service line that would be required in order to maintain potable water service to the Medina property during construction.
11: Um, we've talked about a couple different ways of doing it, but it will require um, a temporary service. Uh, water line to go up the hill to uh, the Medina property. We've talked about running it on the surface of the ground during construction because uh, part of the construction of the new water line will include a new, a new service line to the Medina property from the highway. What um,
6: part, of, part of this includes the new service line for the Medina?
11: Part of the driveway tri- driveway slash water main construction up to the tank does include a, a new service line.
1: So, who would pay for the temporary line?
5: I'm inclined to say the developer.
9: Yeah, the, 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 the I was going to say the town.
5: <laughs> I know. <laughs>
9: <laughs> the costs of making this happen, you know, that we're taking this water line. Out of service for a period of time in order to accommodate the developer. That's got to be
11: built into the cost. Well, the necessity of doing it is a result of building this water line. Yeah.
4: Okay. Any other questions? Once this road's upgraded, who'd be maintaining it? Because I know the town doesn't really plow it in the winter. Would Would you guys do it, or is that a go fall back onto the town?
3: Yeah, I think we can. We put the the road the picture of the road back up there for a second just so that we're all on the same page because this came up specifically with the Medinas.
7: Hold on just a second. I'm going to find it again.
3: The short answer is that the the developer, the homeowners would maintain, but there is a section that won't be maintained anymore.
4: That's probably up above going to the tank, correct? Yeah, so here's the existing
3: road, right, that goes to the Medinas and the tank. Okay. That's not maintained now. Never
12: Jeff arrived. isn't the one you want. I'm having trouble hearing.
3: No, you're good. That's, that's, that's what we needed. The new road would be maintained, plowed year round, you know, winter, etc. was around this this, um, switchback and it would continue to be maintained. This section over to the property line would not in the winter and wouldn't be, you know, could we, we could probably grade it a little better from here because there's an existing gate here that's always locked at the medinas. It's their gate, I believe. So they, you know, they, this this point to here would not be
4: plowed. Okay. Then has the fire department looked at this and yeah, signed me. off on it? I've, I've been up there
3: with Mick. He's walked it. Okay. He said that the town, or the the district purchased a new truck a few years ago. That's a much beefier truck that can go up, some, you know, get into some areas where some of the bigger trucks can't, that would certainly, and that, I think that truck lives here in our station. That's a four-wheel drive. It's a four-wheel drive, and it it would be the truck that he said would be like the first responder type truck for a fire. Um, As far as, um, that was one of the questions I think that the Medina's had also was um fire suppression during uh, during the you know the construction or the disconnect and the reconnect so I, I've when I used to live in Michigan I did track homes and I put in a lot of water main and infrastructure for subdivisions and so I know that um there's you know it's not even if we're able to make the the cut you know we're going to lay most of the pipe, and have it in the ground before you connect both ends. Then you make your cuts, and even if that could be done in a a, a day or two, you still have to go through all that bacteria, chlorinating, test the pipe, and that takes a number of days for it all to come back good before you can turn it on. So, you know, in reality, that line might be down for a week or two to get through all that. So in that time, one of the questions was, you know, from the Medina's was what if there's a fire and the town just, um, or I think the fire district just said that they would, they would be able to service it and, and take care of them. The long-term uh, development of, of a house at the top of this hill someday is to have that house be fire sprinkled just because of its proximity to the forest. So, if they did have a fire, they would have a sprinkler system in the house and would put the fire out before the fire department hopefully got there, or at least try to keep it under control.
5: Um, so, and Jeff, if I can add on to that. So, the temporary fire suppression conceptual right now for the Medinas is also to keep, and Jeff Spinell can speak to this as well, I think around 10,000 gallons or so in the current seal bolted tank which has that uh, fire hydrant right at Medina. It's on the Medina property so that we could serve them immediately.
4: Since we're coming into winter, I'm thinking you're probably talking this next summer then. So for now, this winter, we wouldn't have to do anything from Medina's line. They would still run off the old- Yeah,
5: it'll stay as okay. is.
4: Okay.
0: And where's the new tank gonna be online?
5: Is that part of this discussion?
0: Well, if they're gonna be using the other tank and this Disabling the the twelve-inch the right. main.
5: So, Jared, you shared earlier today. I want to say uh, the schematic of the pipe for John to complete the work necessary uh, to bring that tank online. Is is that correct? that
10: half half correct michelle the the increased pipe length in tank number three near the water plant yeah. is in order for that tank to be used as disinfection for a future water plant
4: so is that that loop that we've been talking about in the tank the, get the,
5: yeah sorry. for increased contact time yeah, contact time it, we're dealing yes. with a lot of what-ifs right now.
4: <laughs> well, first comes the worst, we could still just leave the old tank through this year. Medinas have water. Next summer, run a temporary line to them. But we still would have to run a permanent line. Am I reading are getting this correct? That's to the correct. Medinas?
5: That's correct. And we do plan to leave the steel bolted tank up this winter.
4: This winter. That's okay. correct. Yes. Because if we took it offline now, they, we would have to scramble.
5: Lots, yeah, and we don't want to do that. No. Okay. Anything else on the board?
6: The idea to eliminate the existing road prism then? I'm sorry, can you say it again? Like when, when you, if you did this, the idea would be to eliminate that section of the existing road prism and just fold it back in natural or yeah. kind of be vegetated as a road or what? Yeah, this...
2: From
3: here to here, mm-hmm. would all get revegetated okay. and reestablished?
6: Would it keep the profile, or would it? Would you try and? I match don't so
3: because this is this is a pretty deep cut, mm-hmm. and this is a pretty good size retaining wall to retain that. So my guess mm-hmm. is that in constructing this, there's going to be a fair amount of fill.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, yeah. filling this back up to to make this. Work, so I think this would all get a lot of it would get filled in and reestablished. This, you know, there's a pretty good cut right there now, Mm
1: -hmm.
3: and it just kind of erodes. Mm -hmm. Honestly, all this sediment and silt comes down and ends up in Martin Creek right now.
4: Yeah. Yeah. How many feet of 12-inch line are you proposing locating?
3: I think it's about four. 450 to 500 feet it's a a good stretch
4: and there's no way to do the road without
3: no because unfortunately
4: you know the
3: grade of this now doesn't meet any code it's so steep right and so to make this road meet the code at some point you're cutting in to a point where you're going to hit the line You, you cross the water line because this we dug it up Last summer, we dug it up in about five or six spots to just to, so that we would make sure we knew where it was and we surveyed it when we had it dug up. And it was like maybe 10, 12 feet here. And I think it was maybe like seven or eight feet here. And so, you know, there was really no way to get a road in that met any kind of standard Get to the top of the hill where they would like to build a house, without cutting through the line. Now that being said, since we're having the conversation, you know, we at one point had just talked about why can't we, why can't we just dip, put a dip in the line where the road goes over, where the worst part is, and then leave the rest of it intact. I don't know. I mean, somebody at some point said, no, you can't do that. I don't know why you can't. I've seen some pretty interesting mechanical joints over the years, um, and you know these joints with these thrust blocks and everything else, and you know those things have thousands of pounds of pressure on them, as well as these bends here and these bends now do have the same. So I'm not 100% like I would love to have some more conversations with Jared. And the engineers about the water and maybe a less expensive way of doing this besides what my engineer has said because at one time that was it seemed practical to just put a dip underneath the road get it deep enough even if it had to be you know back here and here to dip down to get below where this road's going to cross it and then leave a lot of this intact maybe it doesn't, maybe it's not as bad. And then maybe we could take some of the some of the money that's in this red line and put it into Frank's <laughs> something because you know why Frank was allowed to tap his line up at the tank is is in and of itself a little bit suspect. But anyway.
0: Okay, anything uh, not in the weeds that council Yeah, was we're way about? in the weeds. <laughs>
3: Sorry.
0: okay um, anything else from our consultants any other comments we need to make okay
9: we're, we're looking for again direction this is not a decision this is a direction that you think there's a reasonable chance uh, you would approve these relocations subject to final engineering and uh, development agreement being put into place that would be brought to you at an appropriate time down the
0: road. Okay, so you see a show of hands of agreement for moving forward.
4: I'd be in favor of moving forward and seeing what comes out of it.
0: Mm -hmm. I think you have direction. Thank you. Yeah, Jeff. Okay, what else we got? Ah, yes. We're going to discuss Proposition 123, the Housing Funding Program from the state. Madison?
6: Yes, thank you. Uh, so, uh, thankfully I do have a dollar representative Dana on the line with us, which, uh, is, uh, very relieving for me because I have certainly done research on this, but I am by no means an expert on Proposition 123. Uh, but just to give you a brief overview before I, uh, let Dana take it away, um, Proposition 123 uh, was passed last November and it is a, uh, an affordable housing investment bill, essentially. Uh, So through the Division of Housing and um, Department of Local Affairs, uh, there is state tax revenue diverted and um, that jurisdictions can make commitments to uh, increase percentage-wise affordable housing over uh, the next three years in order to get some of those funds. There are certainly other things involved, such as uh, creating a fast track process for any kind of um, a developer coming in, I believe, except for subdivisions, excluding subdivisions. Uh, but if somebody wanted to come in uh, proposing affordable housing uh, under a variance a special permit or other development permit, uh, they would need to uh, be able to have a decision in their hands within 90 days um, with some caveats of adding exceptions to that or uh, extensions to that. I apologize. Um, so, there's a, a, a process to do this. First, the town would need to establish a, a baseline. Um, we would take, we would need to decide on whether or not we would be using area median income, uh, median family income, or state median income for our. Uh, for seeing how we'll look at income as a whole on the town. Um, And then we'll need to look into uh, total affordable units. Uh, Once we've established that baseline of, you know, how many affordable units do we have based on this criteria, we would then file a commitment to increase affordable housing by 3% per year or 9% over three years. Um, Thankfully, even though sometimes housing sometimes takes a little bit to be built, this is counted at the time of building permit rather than CO. Um, So uh, I was on a webinar with DOLA uh, a couple weeks ago, and it did sound like if we do not reach those goals of filing, uh, once we have filed a commitment, uh, there isn't any penalty towards the jurisdiction, we just won't be able to get any funding the next year. For this, we would be kind of excluded from one, one year of the next cycle, and then we could file again in 2028. Um, so that is a very brief, high-level overview. Uh, but I do have Dana with Dola here available for any questions.
0: Okay. Yeah, we'll start with the council. Um, Brian, get do you have any questions on this?
8: I n- questions. And comments. I comments. I guess it's really hard to. Know what even we're talking about without some of these numbers, um, okay. you know the various income measurements and affordability things and what our housing stock looks like in combination of those. So without those, it's really hard to have a good discussion about it. So um, I'm all for doing that research. Um, I do think that even given the resort what is the resort what do they call it the resort World. community? The the other communities that are kind of listed as similar to us are still pretty different. I think, you know, we're we're a very, very small budget-wise community. And I think a lot of these projects, if anything did happen here, it would have to be like a partnership with Eagle County or a public-private partnership or something like that. And I think other bigger entities... You know, like the the thing that's happening down in Dow Junction slash vale, like is the example of, I think, the kind of projects they're going to be looking to fund and the big impacts. And I don't see us, given our current budget and other resources, like being able to take advantage of this stuff anywhere, anytime in the near future. But it's good to get our kind of house together and our numbers together and have that info.
0: Uh, well, let, let me uh, ask um, the Dole representative. I'm sorry. Dana. Dana. Okay. Hi, Dana. Um, so you're, you're, you're our territory rep, and you, you understand our area and our town. Um, we are interested in trying to find a way of creating some uh, local uh, affordable housing. Uh, I always put that in quotations. But uh, uh, how, how do you see a fit for us uh, with, the, with the state program?
12: Thank you, Mr. Mayor. (laughs) You know, it's interesting. Nobody completely understands the program. It's still kind of being developed. However, to backtrack just a little bit, um, it's projected to be five to $600 million a year. um, And that money is split 60% actually goes to the Office of Economic Development and International Tourism. They, in essence, pass that to CHAFA which is the Colorado Housing Finance Authority. Um, CHAFA can lend it out on, on terms, use it as tax credits, do a, a variety of things. The other 40% actually comes to the division of housing within the Department of Local Affairs. Um, and that's the one we kind of have a little more control over. Um, opting in is kind of a prerequisite to just being eligible for funds. And, and the opting in simply says that you commit to um, increasing your housing stock by 3% a year over three years over your baseline. Your baseline, a suggested baseline already exists and I can provide that to staff. It was prepared by the state based on surveys. It's imperfect, uh, no question about it because it's not done by people who are actually in your community. However, you have no obligation to meet that commitment. You have no obligation to take money. The only obligation you could potentially have uh, is, as was stated, to create a fast-track program for affordable housing. However, you do not even need to do that until November 1st of 2026. So you've got plenty of time to do it. If an affordable housing project came into you a week after you opted in, there's no requirement for you to have that fast-tracked at this point. Um, I think the most critical thing, and I I think that Councilman, is it Rodine or Rodine, um, uh, talked about is the assets of the town are small. The ability of the town to do projects will be fairly limited. However, by you opting in, anybody can come and ask for that money, and they can do it without having to go through the town. So if you have a developer and they want to build affordable housing, they can go straight to DOLA, they can go straight to Chaffa and get that money and build that project. Obviously, they're still going to have to go through all the permitting and approval processes through your town. Same thing for somebody like Habitat for Humanity. They can go and access that money. No obligation on the town, period. Um, You don't have to be responsible for the loan. You don't have to manage the grant, you don't have to report on the grant, nothing. Those independent parties do it. Failing to opt in cuts that off. Nobody within your town can come after those monies. On the the bright side, if those people come and they get money and you say, great, that's super, and at the end of three years, you haven't gotten to where you wanna be, there's no penalty. Nobody's gonna ask you for the money back, say, pull the infrastructure out of the ground, Uh, If you came in and wanted to build a a small little, let's say, two fourplexes and and you paid for, with the loan or with the grant money, the infrastructure, but then those two fourplexes were were not built, no penalty. You get to keep the infrastructure in the ground. And then if somebody, candidly, if somebody came in and built market rate housing on those lots, there's no penalty. So I, I encourage you. Um, to, to look at the process as expeditiously, expeditiously as you can. The deadline for filing is November 1st of this year for opting in. If you don't opt in by that date, you miss the whole first year of the program.
0: So, Dana, let me give you an example. Uh, we're about to probably approve uh, do final approval on a PUD. It's 39 homes, six of which... are are smaller footprint homes that will be less less expensive. So, and that was kind of like his saying, okay, I'll I'll do some as affordable as I can homes over there. So if I could, uh, something coming through that quickly, could he, I mean, can you retroactively apply? uh, He hasn't broken, he won't break ground until next year if, if this is finally approved.
12: Has he already had his permits approved?
0: He's not at that point yet.
12: Okay, so one of the key things is, um, and I think it was mentioned, the count for the number of units you increase only goes from the date of permitting. So if you permit two days before you opt in, one day before you opt in, that unit doesn't count. So you would want to delay permitting on anything. Um, When that program looks like it's real, if the town wanted to come in, and apply for a grant or funding through Prop 123, let's say to lay the the vertical infrastructure, the civil infrastructure, water, sewer, herb, gutter, um, you could potentially, no guarantee, but you could potentially get that money to reduce that developer's cost, and it would be easier for him to build affordable housing. Let's say he builds it, but you're still below your baseline, you don't meet that 10% after, or 9% after three years, no harm, no foul. You still get to keep the infrastructure. And in fact, if he builds 36 or 29, however many homes and they're all market rate, no harm, no foul. You you just don't become eligible for money in that fourth year and they'd reevaluate whether you can reapply in years five or six.
0: Okay. Um,
1: I have two questions. Yes, ma'am. One is, I mean, would a million-dollar or $1.4 million home be considered conceivably affordable?
12: I while i while, say I doubt it, um, you indicated you're in a rural resort area, so the AMIs are significantly higher to still be considered affordable. And, and you could make a, a case. I mean, it, it all depends. I don't have the specific demographics for your area. Well, the...
1: Second question I have is, how does this work with a water moratorium?
12: The reality is that's up to you as a town board.
1: It, it seems inconsistent. The water moratorium.
12: If if you, what I would say is I don't know when you're going to lift the moratorium. I I can't predict whether that's going to be six months, a year, two years, three years. But if you don't opt in, you neither you nor any other entity within your city boundaries is eligible to receive money. You don't. You're not obligated to go after anyone. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to approve affordable housing.
1: So, what you're basically saying is, no matter what, there's nothing to lose by opting in. Yeah,
12: and I hate to say that because you know everyone's very skeptical of a no-lose situation. Um, but it really is an opportunity where there's a carrot and, and just no stick, no stick, no obligation, and no penalties.
0: And administratively, were you through? I'm sorry. What? Were you through? Yes. Okay. Administratively, it's just a matter of uh, doing the AMI calculations and then filling out a form and opting in.
12: Yeah. The first thing I would do is look at the at what the state has calculated. And I don't know your numbers. I can I can access that uh, that spreadsheet and forward it to staff if if you like, if they don't have access to it. Um, Those numbers may be such that you say, heck, we can do that. It may say you build three units a year. Is that unrealistic to say you might build nine affordable units over the next three years? And again, not build, but permit. If the numbers are low enough, you may just say, hey, let's not go through the, the brain damage. Let's just accept that. Fill out the form and submit it. And yes, it's that easy. If you don't like the numbers that the state suggests, you can work with with us and Division of Housing. Re look at your AMI, re look at your housing counts, re look at the the pricing and values on your house to re determine a new baseline. Um, but you're but you're running out of out of time. We've only got a little over a month and a half left.
5: Some examples that the council might consider. Because, you know, the, the current um, application that everyone's kind of thinking about right now is expensive. Uh, other examples that the council might consider are, you know, Jeff Armistead left, but he submitted an application for Midtown Lofts. Midtown Village. Midtown Village. It's a whole village. Uh, those will, you know, those are geared more toward a different income bracket. And this is a program that would give someone like Jeff, the developer, an opportunity to go to CHAFA, the, the lending authority, to see if this could fit in with their development to potentially, you know, save some money and make these more make some of those units more affordable. Another example and, and Dana, I look to you. You know, we have a hundred and twenty unit project coming soon for the school district. I don't know if districts are allowed to apply for something like this but they've already got approval for 120 units and I don't know if this is something where they would be able to apply and potentially you know see some savings given that it's going to be 100 percent you know workforce housing well
12: so if they already approved and are permitted for the 120 units nope, they're
5: not permitted at all they're they're just committed to getting 120 units through a prior ordinance but nothing has been approved.
12: The the way that would work, it wouldn't be the school district coming in for the money, but the town would come in for the money, essentially to lay horizontal infrastructure. So you'd basically put all the infrastructure in for them. That would eliminate a huge cost for their development.
5: Mm
12: -hmm. The goal is then to bring those units down to affordable workforce
5: housing. Okay, thank you for explaining that to me. So essentially staff, you know, this this program is out there in Colorado. Uh, Staff didn't want council to miss the opportunity to be uh, able to have potential developers apply for this funding should the opportunity arise. We wanted to just throw it past council to get your interest level.
1: One one more question. Um, How does this, I mean, is this something battle might latch on to and use?
5: I guess that would be up to them, depending on the plan that they put together and what would be considered affordable.
1: And they could get the state to pay for their infrastructure that way. It
5: sounds like there's opportunities for savings pending that the end product is, you know, whatever the definition of affordable housing is.
0: And so, if they don't uh yeah so to me this is uh kind of a interesting possibility and if and if they have what they've considered they want to have it at a lower price point for for locals and normal people uh well it's kind of a weird way to say it. I'm sorry, <laughs> but uh bottom line is uh basically we could get the money from this fund and that would cover the Horizontal infrastructure in the ground. Correct. And so, all they're paying for is the vertical.
12: Right now, if a developer comes in for it, they may be able to pay for some vertical. But if the town, because the town has to own whatever it builds, um, you could only do the horizontal infrastructure.
0: Well, I don't see a downside to opting in. Uh, anybody from council? I mean.
4: I was just wondering, like, I see we have November 1st as a deadline this year. Is that something if we can't get our ducks in a row this year, we can apply next year for it? Or is this just a one-shot deal?
12: You can apply next year. You just missed the opportunity for the first year, and that's all.
4: I, I feel it's good. It's just I don't see us doing the development ourselves. We'd have to pass it on. We don't have a bandwidth, you know, in-house to do all that, so.
12: And the the one thing I would just pass on anecdotally is that we've heard from developers that they're actually looking at communities that have opted in as the place where they want to take their business because they can get offsets to help them build, uh, build housing.
6: If part of the infrastructure required to build an affordable development was something bigger, like, say, a water plant, could this money be used towards that infrastructure?
12: Conceivably, yes.
1: Really, even a thirty million dollar water treatment plant?
12: Conceivably, yes. You'd have to you'd have to prove that that water treatment plant is only serving that development, doesn't have bigger bigger needs and things like that. But if you had to expand your water plant, for instance, to bring on one hundred and twenty units, it could potentially that's a pretty strong argument that we need to add another treatment skid or something like that to to your plant to be so able to put that. those one hundred and twenty in. <laughs>
4: Just hit a big selling point.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, I guess we're looking for direction from council uh, for opting in. You do the thing. Stop <laughs> opting in. Okay. Okay. You have your direction. Thank you. Also, it was a pleasure to see everybody. Dana, thank
5: you very much. Yeah, this is Michelle mature the town manager. I'll be I'll be calling you tomorrow. All right, Michelle, <laughs> thank you
12: very much. Thank you, thank you Mayor. Thank you, Councilors.
6: Thank you, Dana.
0: All uh, right. We're at future agenda items. Any more? Oh God. Interested in adding anything? Any red flags on the future agenda items from? Management.
4: I think think that was what we talked about with maybe trying to get the engineer in from ERWSD, give an update on uh, the progress of Bolts Reservoir.
0: Yep, good one. Project manager for those guys. Okay, so we're now at adjournment and we will be reconvening in a work session after that. So do we have a motion to adjourn?
4: Motion to adjourn. I'll second it.
0: Motion by Kate, second by Gusty. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Well, we are done.